my children's sermon was kind of like a cheating way of giving you a twofer because there were uh, there were two stories in the Bible about Mary, Martha, Martha and Lazarus that I wanted to talk about this morning. Um, but there wasn't going to be time to incorporate everything into one. But it was important that you have in your minds and in your hearts this episode from their life. So that's that was the very first episode. There's there's only three places in the Bible where Mary and Martha are mentioned, and obviously in Lazarus as well. Uh, what I just read to the kids and the, the story I just related to the kids came out of John chapter 11, and that's most places no, uh, the Bibles most Bibles have a heading called the death of Lazarus. But then if you go past that into chapter 12 of chapter of, of John, the very first few verses of chapter 12 say. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment sold, excuse me, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to it, uh, to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. This is just a little short glimpse. Okay, so in the book of John, there are two episodes dealing with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And in the book of uh, Luke, in just a second, we're going to look at the third one. But I want you to look at something in this, in just this section here. Did Lazarus say anything in John chapter 11, the one where he died and was resurrected? No, he's just an incidental character. He's the one that died. And was resurrected, but he didn't have any any he didn't have any dialogue. He didn't have we didn't get any insight into who he was as a human being. He was just some dead guy that Jesus raised to life. Then we move into chapter twelve of John, and we see that Lazarus is mentioned again. And what do we learn of Lazarus? He lives in the village of Bethany. That's all we get. Because if you go back and look at it real quick, what does it say? Jesus went to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave him a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of the guys reclining at the table with him. That was it. That's all it says about Lazarus. Because see, the story is really not about Lazarus. And quite honestly, Lazarus is a minor character in the Bible. But Mary and Martha are slightly different. They are elevated even higher because they're given dialogue. We get a little bit of an insight into who they are. And so let's go to Luke chapter 10 and see the depth of their story. And the, the, the story in the Bible that gives us the greatest understanding of who these women are. It's Luke chapter 10 verses 38 through 42. Interestingly, verses 38 through 42, look at that. 38, 39, 40, 41, 42. Five verses. And there's incredible depth in this story. Now, before I go any farther in what I want to say, what are your thoughts about Mary and Martha and Lazarus before we get any farther? Just 
Things that you already know. So don't waste your time going over stuff you are already aware of. What are some, some of your previous teachings, some of your thoughts, some of your ideas about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? They were what? Servants. Servants. Okay. They were Jesus' closest, closest friends. They loved Jesus and they were his friends. Martha was worried about getting things done. Mary wanted to sit at Jesus' feet and listen. Okay. They were what? They were familiar with the teaching of the resurrection. Martha would get overwhelmed in her ministry, which was serving everybody. And, uh, um, and I think she was resentful of, of Mary. Martha got was 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 what was the word? Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed in her ministry of serving, and she was resentful of her sister Mary. I mean, that's like, you know, that's how I personalize it. Okay, cool. All of this I would touch, I will touch on, um, but some of the things I wanted to look at from I, I did I did some studying on this, and I was like, wow, I've never. Never thought that. But of course, as I've, as you know, 17 years ago, I'm not a Greek scholar. I've never been taught to read Greek. But I was reading some commentaries where they were actually explaining the, the, the nuances of the words. And I was like, oh, wow, that really gives us a, a new flavor that I've never really looked at before. But I want to go ahead and, <clears throat> and quickly read these five verses. And then we'll, we'll break it down. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. Now, it does not anywhere in Luke tell us that the village was Bethany, but we know because of John's story that the village that Jesus entered into was Bethany. Okay? Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. You may have a different phraseology in the the Bible you're looking at, uh, and we'll talk about that in a second. But some of the some of the basic facts, okay? Number one, we already talked about it's Bethany was the village that they went to. Even though Luke doesn't tell us that, we know because it's the same Mary and Martha. And um, the interesting thing, though, that I had never ever caught on before was this woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. It is not normal for a woman in that day to be a property owner. It is not normal for a woman in that day to um, to be in charge of affairs and dealings. And if I were to read the book of John alone and look at the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, I would get the sense that Lazarus was in charge, that it was his house. Of course, he reclined at the table where Jesus was on the night that his sister Mary was wiping her hair on Jesus' feet with the spike nard, and Martha was serving them the meal. But when we read Luke, we understand that that's not the case. Lazarus is not the owner of the house or the household head. It's Martha. 
Now, we don't know anything about her relationships or how she came to own this house. It could be that she was married and her husband is still alive but not mentioned. It could be that she was married and her husband has died and now she's a widow and she has just invited her brother and sister to live with her. We're not given any of that. But we do have from the scripture that Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. And it is significant when we look at the rest of the story to understand that it is Martha's home where this incident is taking place. Now, verse 39, Mary has a sister, excuse me, Martha has a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, we could lose that. We could lose the significance of that if we just look at it from our Western perspective. Because in our Western perspective, of course everyone is welcome to sit at Jesus' feet and to listen to his teachings. But in that day, it was not common for a woman to be considered a disciple. And that's exactly what this is saying. That she, it, there, there's, a, there's a sense, if you look at, uh, at the idea, have you heard the term Talmud? Those of you who have been listening to, the, to the, uh, uh, the, the That the World May Know series, uh, Ray Vanderlaan talks about this concept of Talmud. Talmud is the disciples, the people that have been gathered by the rabbi to himself so that he can impart to himself uh, his teachings and that eventually they could become rabbis. Well, these Talmud are intimate and close people uh, they are in an intimate and close relationship with the rabbi. And they literally sit in the dust at the rabbi's feet while he's teaching. They're, they're that close. They're not off in the, you know, in the far corners. They're right up there soaking in everything that the preacher is giving. And it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be at all a blink of an eye for if, if, the, if Luke had said, and Lazarus sat at Jesus' feet while Jesus was teaching. No one would even thought about that. But Mary? Mary was a disciple, of a Talmud of Jesus? That's significant. And it gives us some understanding about who Mary is and who Martha is. And we'll talk about that in a second too. But just understand that Mary has a, a significant role in this story. It's not just an incidental fact that she's sitting there listening to Jesus' teaching. This is declaring her an, in, an intentional disciple, a received and accepted disciple of this great rabbi. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, I love the way that Elsie put it when she said Martha was overwhelmed. Okay? I think I've been in most of your homes. There's some of your homes I haven't been in. But in most of your homes... You can at least communicate from the kitchen area into the living space, the living room. Um, in some cases, there's a wall, but, but you can still at least you know, yell back and forth or whatever. Um, in this setting, it is very likely that they were two separate spaces. That Martha was out in the, in the maybe even in the courtyard of their home over the fire while the, 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 the crowd was gathered in the living room. So Martha wasn't in the space. You know, there, for, there, for, for a lot of our modern 
homes have this big open entertaining situation where the ki- the kitchen has this big island or a big snack bar and then it looks out right into the living space so you can be in the kitchen preparing food and interacting with your guests while you're still preparing meal. That's not what we're talking about here. Martha wasn't just over in the corner of the room preparing the food while Jesus was teaching. She was in a separate space and probably couldn't hear what was going on. And this is what I perceive happening after having read these Greek scholars talking about what the words mean. She was like, I'm over here cutting the food. I have to get the meat. Where's my sister? No, she's not in here helping me. No, she's at the feet of Jesus. And this is ridiculous. I'm try- I would love to be able to sit in the, at the feet of Jesus, but somebody's got to cook this meal. Now, how many of you people, I won't say women, but how many of you people can identify with that? <laughs> They're all holy and high and mighty having their little meeting while I sit here and get the food ready because nobody's out here helping me. And it says that she got so distressed and distracted with her service that she went up to her sister Mary and chewed her out in front of God and everybody. But that's not what it says, is it? She went up to Jesus and she looked at him. Now, when I first read this to you, I didn't put any emotion in it. Okay? I just I intentionally just read the words. And as I have read this in the past, I have always just read the words. I've never thought about how it was being said or what was being implied. But as I was reading about what these words mean in the Greek and the intentionality of the verbs, this idea of distraction with her service, she was hot. She was frustrated. She was muttering. She was, she was boiling. And if it was me, I probably would have gone up and said, Mary, I could use some help out here. But that's not what happened. Martha, looking on the sink, wiping her hands, and she gets out there and she comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, you're letting her sit here when I need help, and she's left me. She left me to do it all. Make her help me. Read it. What does it say? Literally, read it. What does it say? Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. That's exactly what she says. And I would venture that's exactly the tone she used with God. She not only got mad at her sister, she was furious with Jesus. Why? This was her home. Culturally, it was her responsibility to host the party. It is her job to make sure her guests are comfortable according to the rules of hospitality. It was her job to ensure that everyone got enough food to eat and enough drink to drink. It was her job to make sure there were seats for everyone. It was her job to make sure that their feet were washed 
by a servant when they came into her home or she had to do it herself if they were poor and couldn't afford a servant. It was her home. And there were responsibilities to be done in her home. And she would have expected that she would have gotten help at least from her sister, the only other woman in the room. And the other thing that I've never read until I did this study this week was the words, she left me to do this. It doesn't mean she left it all for me. It means she literally was working with me and she left. That's what it means. So imagine this now, okay? Hey, Jesus, why don't you come and sit down? Mary and I are going to go out into the kitchen area. We're going to get some stuff taken care of. And uh, you guys just enjoy this and we're going to get some food together. Okay, great, 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 great. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Mary, come on, let's go. And they start getting stuff together. And Mary, Martha says to Mary, why don't you bring everybody some drinks? Okay. And so she brings a tray out of drinks and she hands everybody their glass and she pours. And she's hearing the conversation. And she's like, ooh, this is really interesting. And then she quietly, as she's listening, she's walking back into the kitchen area. And she puts the thing down, and Mary says, well, can I do help now? And she said, well, why don't you snap these peas for me? Okay. So she begins, gets this big bowl filled with snap peas, and she's starting to snap them. And she's list, trying to listen while, and she can't hear very well because they're in a separate space. So she takes the bowl, and she goes, stands in the doorway while she's snapping the peas. And Martha's over here working, and Mary's snapping the peas and listening. And little by little, Mary gets drawn into the teaching, and she's just enthralled with what's going on. And she sets the bowl down. And she, she just kind of quietly walks in, and she totally forgets what's going on. Totally forgets that she was working in the kitchen with her sister, because she's so drawn in to what Jesus was doing. And she just sits down at his feet, and she's intently learning of the Master's teaching. And it's a beautiful, glorious, holy moment in Mary's life, hearing the very words of God spoken in her home feeding her soul. Who does she think she is? She she said she was going to help me and here it is. She's out there again. Every stinking time this happens. And then Martha loses it. (laughs) And she goes out and embarrasses herself and her family by calling God himself down for allowing her sister hang her out to dry. And Jesus turns to Mary and says, get back out in the kitchen like you're supposed to. No. And it doesn't say that he takes Martha aside. He says, Martha, Martha, And let's read the words. You are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Now, first of all, it doesn't say that he took her aside. She publicly chastised him. She publicly responded to him. I mean, he publicly responded to her. And what he says to her, according to the scholars, is one of the most confusing sentences in Greek. They don't fully understand exactly what he was saying. The best guess is what we have in our English Bibles. 
Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. That's clear. There's no question that Jesus said that. But one thing is necessary. What does some of your Bibles say? Verse 42 says. And what does it say after that? Mary has chosen... Okay. One thing is chosen? No. One thing is needed. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Anybody else have anything else differently? Mary has chosen what is better. What is better? That's that's a very good translation. See, he's not telling Martha that she's doing anything wrong by serving in the kitchen. He's not saying you've chosen the wrong thing. You should be out here too. But he's saying of all the things that were chosen, Mary has chosen what was best. Some scholars say that this sentence could be, could be Martha, you're trying to prepare a seven course meal when really all we need is a bowl of soup and a loaf of bread. And if you had done it that way, you could be out here too. And we could have all come into the kitchen later on and helped. Because see, it's not about the big party, Martha. I understand, yeah, culturally, you blah, 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 blah. You're supposed to be helping. You're supposed to be serving. You're supposed to be making sure we all feel good. But let me just give you permission, Martha. Understand that my, my, my whole point in being here, I've only got three years to do this. My whole point is to speak truth into lives, to change them for eternity. And it is the best that you could choose is to spend that time in my presence. That's the best. Now, I'm not going to take that away from Mary just because it's uncomfortable for you. And yeah, maybe she could have gone into the kitchen and helped and stood in the... But for whatever reason, her heart was drawn to be here. And I'm not going to chastise her for choosing that because that is best. Now, does that mean that you're wrong? No, I'm not telling you you're wrong. But what I am saying is your heart's wrong. Do not be anxious. Do not be so upset and, and frustrated that you get angry with me. What did I do? I didn't do anything. I just came here to visit with my friends. I didn't ask you to put on this big elaborate show. That's your choice. And I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong. If you want to do it and you feel led to do it, feel free. But don't call down curses on your sister because she's not agreeing with you in doing the things that you think are important. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, Martha. I want you to understand I love you. I love you as much as I love your sister. I love you as much as I love your brother. If you had been the one lying in that tomb, I would have raised you. But right now, where you're at with your heart, you're wrong. And you need to understand you're wrong. And it needs to change. And that's why I didn't take you into a corner quietly and talk to you about it. This is something. You brought it out in the public, so I'm going to deal with it in the public. I'm still friends. You still love me? Because I love you. Now, we're not told what happened. We, we don't know. Martha could have gone back into the kitchen. Fine. You mean, fine. That's the main difference. Fine. I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. Just throw me out in the trash when you're done with me. Like a good Jewish mama. Why well, didn't say that? Or she could have just set her stuff down and sat down next to her sister and started listening. Or she could have stood in the doorway 
with the bowl of snap peas, trying to do both at the same time. But the point of this story and why I think it's important, it is, for so many years I have heard, well, Martha chose the wrong thing. And it's not that she chose the wrong thing. She was doing what was right and appropriate and socially acceptable. What was wrong in her heart was that she allowed doing the right, quote-unquote, thing to blind her to what is best and to let her get all anxious and upset and frustrated about it. One of the, uh, one of the scholars that I was reading pointed back to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he said, don't be anxious about what are you going to eat, what are you going to drink, what are you going to wear. The Lord knows you need all that stuff and he'll provide that. You should be focusing on the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all of these other things, they'll, they'll be added. And that's the, that's the teaching I think that Luke was trying to bring out in this story. Not that Martha was wrong, but that Martha had lost sight of what was most best, if you will. And your pastor, and Eleanor almost trashed it this morning, your pastor intentionally wore red shoes and a red wristband, although I wear this all the time, and a red and white and black shirt. I almost wore a solid red one, and I'll tell you why I didn't in just a minute. But I wore these intentionally this morning because the color red in liturgical understanding, in church understanding, the color red represents the Holy Spirit of God. And as I was trying to get dressed this morning, I truly had planned to wear a hooded sweatshirt that's solid red. And the Lord said, no, wear this shirt. I was like, okay. And he whispered to me, why? Because... I cannot, in my every day, sit at the feet of Jesus 24-7, ignoring all of the other things that are necessary. But I can practice the presence of God while I do those other things. So instead of being Martha who has to do all of the things that keep me from listening to Jesus while everyone else gets to listen to Jesus. And instead of being Mary, who only listens to Jesus and alienates everybody else in the house, God is calling me and you to find a way to bring a balance and a blending to your life. Yes, You've got to mow the lawn. Yes, you've got to change the oil in your vehicle. Yes, you've got to do your finances. Yes, you've got to whatever. But yes, God has to be very prominent in all of that. And I will tell you from personal experience, even as I was having my quiet time this morning, God said to me this morning, why are you turning on that music? Because I always turn on the music. I I play either instrumental, worshipful music, or I play very soft, mellow, worded Christian music that points me to God. I mean, I do that all the time when I have my quiet time. 
A lot of it's because I'm not in a space that has a door, so that this way it can kind of block any distraction that's going on out there. But it was five o'clock in the morning. There was nobody else awake in the house. It was totally quiet. And the Lord said, why are you turning on that distraction? Okay, I won't. So I turned it off. And I spent an hour and a half praying and reading the word of God and meditating on him and praying for you guys. was amazing because I was 100% without any distraction focused on Jesus. It was powerful. Now, I've experienced it before, but it was like, ooh, <laughs> this is what I want regularly. And Lord said, no, we can't do this regularly. It doesn't happen all the time because there's, there's stuff going on. But this is what I want you to communicate with your people. This. Be intentional about not letting your world crowd out Jesus and be realistic that you can't let Jesus crowd out your world. But you can find a way to make it happen where I'm still prominent in first place while you're still going about your day to day. Whatever it takes to be that intentional, whether it's wearing red as a reminder or where it's, whether it's you know having a cross on the wall or whatever it takes for you to be intentional about focusing on God throughout your day. I have a reminder on my phone, excuse me, on my watch that says every 50 minutes, it's time to stand up. You haven't gotten up and walked around in the last hour, so it's time to stand up. So I do. I have to get up and I have to walk around for at least a minute or so because in my job, I have a tendency to sit for hours and hours and hours while I'm reading or doing whatever I'm doing. So in that same intentionality about my physical health, I need to set up a, a, a thing here on my phone that goes, time to talk to God, time to focus on God every 50 minutes or so. So that I don't allow myself to get so wrapped up in all of the other stuff that I forget. Because how many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have gone three days without ever opening the Bible or without in really spending real serious quality time with God. I'll raise my hand because it's true. So what God is saying to you is this. Look what's up on the screen. God in Isaiah chapter 26, verse, I think it's three. Yeah, 26, three. You keep him in perfect peace. Shalom, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. This is Isaiah declaring this about the Lord. God will keep the one in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on God because they trust God. And that's how you're being called to live. It's not just giving God lip service, not just going through the motions. It's not getting so crazy busy that you don't have God in your life every single moment of every single day. But at the same time, you're not so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. It's finding that balance. Most primarily, it's, it is seeking first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all of the other stuff will come into place and fall where it needs to. And that's the message that God wants you to carry away this week. And to hold on to. And as we go into our time of communion, 
Let's spend a moment or two in reflection and say, Lord, what the pastor is saying this morning resonates with my spirit. And look at my heart and see where I'm tripping up in this area. Where I've allowed life, stuff going on around me, to distract me to the point of aggravation, to the point of frustration, to the point of even yelling at you sometimes. Let's spend some time in prayer.